podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You need to be cautious with him. It's the same as always, but even heightened, he wouldn't play. Hello everybody, welcome to Planet FPL, the world where everything revolves around fantasy Premier League. My name's Serge. My name's James, that caught me very much by surprise. Oh, well, you know, the thing is, we've done over a thousand podcasts, the guy hits record on the camera, the guy hits record on the recorder thing. So and we uh, do a shit intro, yeah, okay. Thanks, and off mate. we go, off we go. Talking of off we go, go on then. Uh... 57 points. How many did you get this week? Uh, 56. Well done. You beat me, as I told so you this I missed, time last week. I missed the deadline and I still got more points than you. Yeah, but you only got one more rather than 37 more. Indeed. <laughs> the Thomas Socek captain fail. Uh, of course, we're blaming whoever the ref was in that game. I don't even know who, who which of the the, the uh, clown circus I'd, brigade I'd it was. I blame Edson Alvarez for not turning up because the poor bloke had to play deep all games. So. Yeah, we... I got a green arrow when I missed the deadline. So, to be honest with you, I, I just can't complain. I've got to take it, right? Can you clarify for the people that don't listen to us every week that your intention wasn't actually no, to catch No, because if you don't listen to us every week, you don't deserve to know. And why don't you listen to us every week? Because it's the greatest place to come for entertainment, not fantasy advice. Obviously, my plan was to sell Salah for Diogo Jota two weeks ago and ended up getting uh, Thomas Socek as captain because I missed the deadline and ended up 57 points. So that's a 34 did he get? I don't even know, 19 points, was it? I think it's a 34-point swing. It's big enough, mate. It's big, but <laughs> what do we do? What do you do about it? It's season changing though, isn't it? If you jump that. And it's like, I was thinking about it, right? Like, so what's the points difference between us? Uh, 40, 50 points, give or take. So that would have nearly clawed back three quarters of it. But here's the thing, right? If I uh, decided, if I, if I played the same lottery numbers every single week and there's one week that I don't play them and those six numbers win the jackpot, that's pain, right? Because if I had played my lottery numbers, I would have won something. I wasn't going to win FPL anyway. So the outcome at the end of the season is going to be no different or no worse. No, no, no. I'm just saying you would yeah. have had a monster so, jump, wouldn't you? Do you know, it's like um, I would have probably, I probably felt worse when I missed the deadline than when that had happened. Yeah, 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 because yeah, the decision making is the same, right? And here's the fickleness of FPL. What do you think my... Uh, timeline on Twitter not that I've to be honest particularly logged on in the last uh, 24, 48 hours really not because I don't want to see what's in there I just can't be bothered what would it have been like if Socek had scored, say scored two goals what would I have been greatest FPL manager no, whatever I would have said you were shit lucky ah uh, lucky right and then what if I don't it's the opposite well which one of them is true neither right the reality is neither so you can't, I can't take the credit. If Socek had done really well, I can't take the credit. If I missed the deadline, I didn't play Jota, I'm not going to take the criticism. It's like one of them where uh, neither are true and the latter doesn't matter. And if I had missed buying a lottery ticket, it would matter because I would be fucking £10 million poorer. But I still have a green arrow, so uh, 717k and... Based on the fact that, is it City Extra or whatever, tweeted yesterday, Holland is back. 
Mm. Welcome back, Erling. I've got two free transfers no, this week to do what I want. So. To be confirmed, I think, mate. Um, yeah, so the, the, the thing is, since then, as much as uh, yeah, I missed the deadline, uh, we've no Salah's back with Liverpool. We don't know what's happening. Although Egypt did go through. We'll talk about it. No, no... Uh, no help from uh, Nico's boys at Cape Verde, but congratulations to them. Topping the group, mate. Yeah, mate. Topping Kudos the is group. Kudos coming home. Kudos is, well, yeah. not yeah, yeah. unbelievably, they could still go through, technically. What? But it's very unlikely. Is it lucky loser or something like that? Well, the four best third place teams go through, don't they? <laughs> and on two points, you really shouldn't be going through. But there, are, <laughs> there is a combination of results where they could still go through. Yeah. Uh, so very look, unlikely, though. Look, uh, it was after Sochek blanked and obviously after the way the West Ham game ended the last two or three minutes it was inevitable after having the, the kind of victory snatched away with that ridiculousness it was inevitable that Jota was going to go off so here's what it is only Miss Sky half my rank there uh, in the game week so you take Tomorrow's the wins bad. with your losses and this was a Grey in the end, although could have been obviously massively better. So how did your players do at the weekend? Uh, Ariola did really well until uh, Billy, uh, uh, Ollie McBurney, sorry, uh, elbowed him in the face. I own Gabriel, Porro, Richarlison. Well. He was on three points either way. No, he was doing all right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel, Palmer, Richarlison, Porro. That's it. Okay. It's like I, one of them. Half of them played the week before, but all right. But, but yeah, but like net net to get to me to my fifty-seven, that was it. I only had the uh, Solanke, Socek, um, and Ariola to go. So you know. Okay, uh, fifty-six. For Gabriel. For me, um, I'd obviously kept hold of Jared Bowen and started Jared Bowen. Uh, but didn't return me anything. I'd captain Saka this week. Uh, game week somewhat saved really by Gabriel's 17-pointer. So across my three defenders, 28 points. And I know there'd be people out there with sort of 40s and, and more from their defenders this week. Uh, Cole Palmer's 10. That's essentially the, the lot of my, my week. So considering so many captains, Palmer and he was a, an EO loser for me. Gabriel has completely saved the game week. Uh, dropped for me from about 167k to 196. So, uh, yeah, not terrible, not good. We'd move on to the next one. It's felt like the longest game week ever. It's been a long game week. The next one will feel like the shortest ever. Yeah. So. When's the deadline, babe? Uh, it's next Tuesday, Serge. Oh, okay. And that is at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. deadline next Tuesday, Serge. Yes. Yeah, yes. got it, got it. We will do podcasts next Tuesday. This will hopefully help you remember. Um, I think the hot topic of conversation to cover off before we talk about games is obviously with Mo mm, and this Mo injury. Um, on Haaland, no, there's nothing definitive yet. We don't think he'll play at Tottenham on Friday as it stands. Um, still not full training according to ITK as, as far as it sounds at the moment. So uh, in the words of Sean Dyche, he would be touch and go for next Wednesday as it stands. Obviously, there's plenty of City information to learn on Friday, as there will be with other teams in FA Cup ties. So Mo Salah, we know, injured. Went off injured in Egypt's second group game. As you said, they went through last night just by the skin of their teeth. Um, and ironically, despite finishing second in the group, I now project them to probably get to the semi-finals when pre-tournament, I'd project them to get to the quarterfinals. It's just the way that it's opened up. The draw that happens. Yep, yeah. A, a, yep, absolutely. So there's been conflicting reports over the last 
few days. Is he going back to Liverpool? He was seen at the ground last night when obviously they played. So do you understand this? He's either flown back to Liverpool last night or likely to do so today. The thinking behind that is obviously he'll get the highest quality of treatment from Liverpool and the best chance of recovering for Egypt primarily um, if they do get to the latter stages of the tournament. There was some mention of oh, if Egypt got to the semi-finals, maybe he'd come back. Jurgen Klopp had said if they get to the final, maybe he'd come back. What I would say is this, if Egypt gets to the semi-finals, whether Mo Salah is fit or not fit, he definitely not, will, will not play for Liverpool in game with 24. If he's not played for Liverpool in game with 24 or for Egypt in AFCON, then he's obviously going to be a doubt for game with 25 unless we get something concrete in the build-up for that. We could be in the situation, which I joked might happen last week, that we get to game with 25. Liverpool could have a double if they deal with Fulham tomorrow night in the Carabao Cup, and we may not know if he's going to play or not. That's the circumstance that I can foresee right now, to be honest. Because there's some saying, I think his agent said last night as well, three to four weeks. Now, the date surge is what today? So it's the 23rd of January. It's the 23rd of January. Well, Liverpool play at Brentford on the 17th of February. There's no guarantee he's going to make it. There's too many games. That's game with 25. There's too many games and too much upside in between for me to hold Mo Salah. Now, the irony is I've missed uh, Jota's big haul at the weekend. He's still probably the player I want to yeah. buy. I'm thinking now, like, where, where do I go? Jota is a perfectly capable, able replacement. Like, his points to minutes ratio is, is well up there. It just hasn't had the consistency of minutes. But after the performance last week... I don't see how he's going to get dropped. Liverpool could destroy Chelsea at home. I love the fact that it's a home fixture for them at Anfield as well, where they've been playing so well. I can't, I can't overlook the upside potential of a Jota or whoever your flavour is, if you want to go there, from Liverpool's attack versus holding Salah for four to five game weeks. I would love to engineer a situation where I can get uh, Jota and uh, KDB. And that would mean... Diaby and Salah out for Jota and KDB. For me, that's just straightforward what, what, what and easy. What you've got to think about there is, let's take the scenario that Egypt go out in the last 16 and Salah does recover in time for that game with 24 fixture against Burnley and then we know Liverpool would maybe have a double in 25. Then what? That's what you've got to think about, isn't it? Personally, at the moment, as it stands, and I think it could potentially change, I'm happy to swing against with a Jota. I'm not happy to... Uh, go without and completely hide behind the sofa. But I'd be happy to swing against with ANR, the Liverpool attacker, because obviously City have their own double before that. Um, and I don't want to miss out on that. And I still want to well, find a way. Before, it'd be probably be the same time. Oh, it's wouldn't the it? same week. So I also want to make sure I've got money for Erling when he becomes available. And the likelihood of him becoming available before the double is probably higher than yeah. Salah yeah. becoming available. The chances are Haaland's back before Salah. Let's put so, it that way at the moment. That's my list of priorities. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, it's an out-of-sight-out-of-mind problem. Now, remember, I've still got <laughs> Trippier and Trent sitting in my defence. So, if I need to find money, there's money there. 
Uh, you ain't going to get... It, that's, I've said this to you before. If Liverpool did have the double in 25, you're not going to want to be in Trent, are you? No. Uh, but Kieran again, Trippier might he's go still to Bayern flagged Munich and he wasn't in week. the squad at the weekend. So make, Trippier, make Trippier, Trippier is going to be a potentially very easy uh, easy move on. They really are getting the band back together, aren't they, at Bayern Munich? Yep. How many, <laughs> how many losing Tottenham Champions League team can you get in the Bayern Munich team and then try and lose another Champions League? Maybe. Interesting strategy. If Harry Kane's doing the transfers there now, <laughs> which is, he's definitely doing the goals, James, uh, smacking them in. So yeah, I'm I'm comfortable swinging against, but I also feel like it's so far away that I, there's so many things can happen in between. This is the problem with over analysing strategy. Sometimes you miss the wood for the trees. You're so worried about the doubles and the blanks in the future. You miss what's right here, up ahead of you, that you can potentially capitalise on. So many other players now might be putting their hat in the ring. Like, what about Ivan Tony as someone that you potentially want to get for the double, right? Um, I know one of the games is against City, but... Yeah, once be, against Liverpool. And it'd be very popular, though. Uh, of course you will, just by virtue of the double, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but even a defensive, maybe, like a Ben Mee, obviously scored at the weekend and is a threat from set pieces. I think the whole mood around... Less interesting. Brentford have changed. Um <laughs> Yeah, I get, I get it, but people will want doublers. People will want doublers. Yeah, I'll repeat what I said on Wonder Pods last week, that even with the knowledge now that Brentford will definitely play in game week 29 and got the extra fixture in game week 25, I've looked at a projected difficulty schedule up to 29 with only four fixtures on there, so eight teams playing. So there would be circa 10 teams or so that they've got two extra games over and I would still have them third bottom on my fixture difficulty, even with two extra fixtures. It's a rough run they've got. And the reality is, what's happening this weekend, James? FA, FA Cup, Cup fourth, fourth round. round. So, uh, and obviously then next midweek, uh, not next midweek, uh, the Carabao Cup is this that's, week. That's this week, yeah. So by the time we record on Monday next week, is what I mean to say, we'll know uh, what's happening with the Carabao Cup final. We kind of know. And uh, we'll know what's happening with the uh, future potential quarters and semis for the FA Cup as well. And that may, again, have an influence on what we decide yep. we want to do. Because um, say, say Liverpool go, uh, or, or City go out, good luck to you. Then well, that might change our I, perspective. I think one of the things that would really change the narrative for people in their plan is obviously if Chelsea don't go through tonight. Because then you know that Chelsea-Tottenham game is on 26. So it becomes far more easier to manage 26 if you're carrying... Gusto, Palmer, Porro, Richarlison, right? That's potentially going to be a problem if you want three Liverpool assets as well, and they all blank. So uh, my my uh, opinion on it is always the same, that actually the more carnage, the better. Um, because if you're engaged enough, you'll manipulate the situation better than others who can't see the wood through the trees, if yeah. you will, and see the future. Um, I don't know what I'm doing from a transfer perspective next week, and I, I don't suppose I will till probably... Sunday night at the earliest, I think. We, we think the FA Cup fifth round draw will be on Sunday, we think. If that happens, then obviously we'll do another Chip Strategy podcast on Monday, as we did a couple of weeks ago. But obviously, with far more updated and detailed information that can really help us with our strategy going forward. KDB's on agenda. I think this new Salah news, rather than the Jota Hall at the weekend, puts him very much on, on radar. Um, it's not easy for me to get to Jota, though, ironically, because um, if I want to leave the money to go Alvarez to Haaland, I'd probably have to cut Saka to go Jota. I can't quite get from Bailey or Palmer to Jota. If I wanted to go KDB, Saka would have to be the sacrifice. 
unless I don't leave the money for Haaland if he's not back. But I think my intention would be to leave myself a swift movement back to at least Erling Haaland. I've also got four flags defensively at the moment. So Trent, we know, is obviously a doubt, but sounds like it might be promising for next Wednesday against Liverpool. Gabriel went off with a knock against Palace after his haul at the weekend, but we think that's probably okay. Malo Gusto is not going to play for Chelsea tonight, but was not listed as one of Chelsea's injuries on their website yesterday. So I don't know if it's just a a rest, Mm -hmm. but it's been said publicly that he won't play tonight. And Pau Torres is becoming a bit of an issue, to be honest. Like Week on week, is he going to be back for Villa? Is he going to be back for Villa? Now, I'm not desperate to have him for next week, but there's a few games afterwards, such as Sheffield United away, like he could be very useful for me, say, when Arsenal and Liverpool play each other. Um, so I might need to deal with a defensive issue. And if I go down that route, there's loads of different possibilities it could be. Cole Walker would be one, even though it's a bit dull. But again, watching the Newcastle game back late last week, you see the advanced positions. Actually, he and Josco Vardio getting in yep. again, emphasised, as I mentioned last Monday. Um, the likes of Ben Mee wouldn't interest me. Tina Livermento, like if uh, Trippier was to go, dangerous. would you want to go Livermento down Livermento? if Trippier went, yeah. I haven't got Estupanan. Estupanan's the player yeah, that's hurt my rank uh, the most this week. And it may even be that I'd go, particularly say if Chelsea did lose tonight, and I go, well, 26 is easier to manage. I might even go, right, actually, hang on here. We're going to go to like a 3.8 defender here and open up some, some more money possibly even. So... Yeah, a, a number of different options for me at the moment. Not sure what I'm going to do at the moment. Um, Captain, and nor Fugin- should you really. No, nah, not really. I've said, like, don't overthink it at the moment. There'll, there'll be people going early and stuff, and if that's what you want to do, good luck to you. I certainly won't be. Um, Captain next week? Certainly from a bus point of view, it'll be Alvarez with Burnley at home, but then that's dependent on knowing that Erling Haaland won't be available. So your only City player? Uh, yes. He's my only City player at the moment. I didn't gamble on Foden. Uh, I went with Richarlison. And obviously, I didn't move Salah on and go to Foden, which uh, last week proved okay. It might not in the future. Um, so, yeah, if I buy KDB, it could be KDB as a potential consideration. So, I'd say City, uh, top of the chop for my, for my priorities. But I still think we can't overlook. I know that Chelsea are a difficult game, but Liverpool at home at Anfield, they're... They could terrorise Chelsea, potentially. So I wouldn't rule out a a Liverpool asset as well. Um, But I think I would default to to a City asset, somewhere like Arsenal away at Forest off the back of a 5-0 win. Um, But they've been doing a lot better under Nuno. And no one wants to do that again. Yeah, so I think um, there are are a few options, but I I do think City is the place to go. Yeah, it would be a City player for me. I'm near certain of that. Um, but there's four candidates at the moment. Haaland would be one. Like, you, you know, if it looks very very promising that he would start against Burnley, that's where the armband's going. I don't think that's going to be the case at the moment. I think for KDB to get the armband for me, I'll obviously be at the game Friday night, but I think I'd need to see him play probably at least 45, I think. Yep. Um, and Foden and Alvarez are obviously two strong candidates there as well so I mean I wouldn't even it, as it stands right now I've got it sat with it bust on Foden um, but I'd probably if Haaland was definitely out I would maybe still just go Alvarez yeah because I think that that's a hat-trick potential there possibly yep. so it'll, it'll almost definitely be a City player for me I think let's talk about some of these games shall we alright 5-0 Arsenal Crystal Palace I think Obviously, Arsenal dominated and clearly deserved to win. Um, Eze looked lively. I mean, he had a few shots 
on target. He seemed to be the, the one creative spark. But if you look at the last three goals, Trossard and the two Martinelli goals, it's like knife through butter stuff where particularly the Martinelli goals at the end probably makes the scoreline look really bad. But but all three of those goals was back to front in seconds, right? You're talking from defensive position to ball in the back of the net in 10, 10 seconds. The Trossard one, even less. Um, and that's they're almost like free free goals, right? So you look at it and you think, okay, five nil. Three of them were scored in a, in in thirty seconds. Thirty seconds of play from being in your own box, um, and that's what Arsenal can do. You probably end up a bit disappointed with Palace for not having a little bit more. A bit disappointed, be raging if I was a Palace fan. Like have a bit of uh, street wiseness or nous or whatever to not leave yourself so exposed, but. It's just that good, right? Yeah, can be. That, they, be, they, they are be just fair, that good. They're already 2 0 down at that stage. The they third, got to chase the game. The third I, goal I comes it. from them taking the corner, and then this stuff on the fourth and the fifth goals, which are kind of amateurish, really, not helped by it. It is 94th, 95th minute. Mark Gay had gone off. James Tompkins come yeah. on and looked like a fish out of water. I didn't know that he quite understood what was going on. Um, professional yeah, job, and, and prof- they did yeah, it. Professional Simple as job. that. It's an interesting one. Obviously, we released COTC yesterday with Mark Southerns and Adam Pritchard discussing Forest and Arsenal. We spoke about the game a, a little bit. Um, yeah, Arsenal had six shots on target, right? It wasn't mm. a 5 0 game, and yet they were comfortably much, much better than Crystal Palace, who deserved absolutely nothing. But it was kind of this on... This is where games kind of Because like, they took the lead early. Had they not taken the lead early, it would have been a different it was game. kind of on trend with a lot of Arsenal's season being being the better team but n- never actually looking like they were going to go and win mm. 5-0 like 2 or 3-0 would have been a, about right in terms of a fair reflection from the game um, Declan Rice by the way is one to monitor over the next week or so would obviously be a, a potential blow he's a more likely absentee for Arsenal next week than, than Gabriel and obviously Arsenal don't play in the cup at the weekend but being as the game is Tuesday, we certainly will get press conferences. There's a few teams we won't get presses on next week. Um, I would suggest the four teams that are going to play on Thursday, so that's West Ham, Bournemouth, Wolves, Manchester United, we probably won't get press conferences ahead of the deadline. The good news with three of those teams is they do play in the Cup at the weekend. Your team does not. No. Um, but at least we do know that Jared Bowen is back available. Yes. Uh, the headline from the weekend is Saka. And we did have a really good conversation, quite a very unusual for COTC. We went into a deep conversation about one individual um, and his value as, a, as an FPL asset. And it's kind of a, a split opinion about whether just to keep him and sustain him. He obviously ticks over really well. He's, he's brilliantly consistent, there's no doubt about it. But I don't know how often we'd want to go and captain him again. You don't need to at that value. But... As we'd mentioned, with the likes of De Bruyne, Haaland, Salah, etc., people are going to need to find money at some point. I don't suppose anybody's sitting there with money in the bank who can just go bang, bang, bang. Maybe they can. Good luck to you. Um, I'd probably spend some of it at the moment, though. So, I mean, he's probably a sacrifice for me. But I'm very aware that I don't necessarily want him to be because the run of fixtures up till game with 29 is extremely good. You know that he's going to play all the games. You know that he's on pens if he's not in a charitable mood. But yet, at the weekend, despite Arsenal winning 5-0, you never thought he was going to score Yeah, if you watched the game. What I did notice was in the final 20 minutes or so, he was getting himself into really central areas. And I think he was quite keen to score. He was like, right, this game's won. My turn now. But he never really felt like it was going to come. Mm. 
And I do think with part of Arsenal's control and his own increase in terms of his own creative ability, there are games like this where he ends up wider and deeper than perhaps we would expect, I think. Salah, for example, is a comparison. It's, it's a bit dodgy comparing the two. But Mo is always in dangerous positions. No yep. matter how he's playing, and sometimes you do have games you think he's not on it, he's always getting himself into dangerous positions. Saka can have games, and has done over the last couple of months, where he doesn't. But as Mark pointed out on COTC, like his expected goal involvement and his underlines actually not too bad. It doesn't look brilliant at the weekend. But well, different day, there's... there's what, a, what kind of time There's a hole here, so... Though? This is the thing. If you captain, if you said to me prior to the game, right, Arsenal win 5 0, he'd have been everyone's captain. Correct. Right? He's had uh, an, an assist technically for Gabriel, who doesn't score. Great goalkeeping by Dean Henderson, by the way. Um, and you would just assume that in a 5 0 victory, there'd be something for him. But also, they beat Sheffield United 5 0 earlier in the season. And all he got that day was an assist. Yep. And that was quite a, a fortuitous assist. And I want to say I captained him that day as well. So it's twice now I've captained him in, five, in two five nils, and he's only provided an assist across the two. So I think it probably depends on your persuasion. Obviously, if, if you can hold through, it's ideal. But a longer conversation is going to be over the likes of him, Watkins, Solanke's, do these kind of template-ish players at the moment, do they need to be moved on to find money? For me, he's going to be the easiest one. Yep. to move on I think but I also don't particularly want to um, it's only two returns in the last seven or eight games that's, that's the thing it's like wh- over what time period are you looking at this kind of goal involvement when was Mark looking last five games ten games no, was looking or the whole season because he had that yeah, but for how long the last that, five games ten games periods, I think he was looking at last six okay he had before that a period of sort of four or five games where his inspected goal, uh, his, his XG over the five games was like comfortably less than one, it was bad. It has picked up again a little bit, but then his X, if you refer specifically just to XG on Saturday, it's point one. Shy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Never looked like he was going to score in, in the game. Um, positive result for Arsenal, though, considering the results he'd obviously had previously. I think Palace, in hindsight, was an absolutely ideal um, opponent. I think this Roy Hodgson stuff's going to come to a head very, very quickly. Their next game, so just Sheffield United at home next week. And it will be pretty restless at Selhurst Park if they don't win that. Most of us would have seen the banners in the uh, the away end towards the end of the game. Um, I think as a football club, they're just not inspiring belief for their fan base at the moment. Um, and have got every right to be asking for a little bit more from their football club. Essentially, unless Eze and Elise are both available because I think one needs the other and vice versa. It just looked like an average football team. For me, Sam Johnson is the better of the two goalkeepers and they'd be better off with him in goal. I think they need a midfield player this month. I think they need another attacking player, but I think they're just bumbling along with Hodgson. I'm not convinced that they will change anything. Um, and I think, it's in the it, season. to be honest, if you probably said to Palace board at the moment, you'll finish 17th at the end of this season. They'd probably just go, yeah, all right, cool. Brentford 3, Nottingham Forest 2. Uh, obviously, the game was uh, heavily focused around Ivan Tony's return and what he was going to... I didn't know there were 21 other players playing, did you? <laughs> it, I mean, uh, all the build-up, armband on him, and he did what he did with scoring the goal from the free kick, which has been discussed to a death on whether or not it was cheating Try and or give your opinion. not. I'm bored of it. Uh, it's cheating... 
but I also don't think it's his responsibility. Do you know what I mean? I think it's 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 on the borderline where it's the ref's responsibility or the player's responsibility to manage the game. Do you, do you think you should get suspended for it? Oh, wow, you're actually thinking about that. I'm just interested in, does it then open up a can of worms? Like, what does it mean for everything else? Yeah, like, if you suspend him for what it... What does it mean when someone gains 10 yards on a throw-in? Completely, right? I saw it in our game uh, the day after where... Which, trying happens, to, trying on, to take, which happens on nearly every throw Trying to take throw-ins in different places and stuff. Just a little bit more heightened awareness of people doing it, right? Because of what happened with Ivan Tony. I don't think you can punish him because it opens up the most ridiculous can of worms for of everything. Of course you can't punish him. Uh, and has I he, think has he cheated? Yeah, move on. It doesn't like for me. It's not the type of thing I feel comfortable doing. Like if I was playing a game of football, but maybe that's that says more about me than it does. Like other people are comfortable bending the rules to the extent of wherever they can get to. If you put a, if a ball was put down for, for a free kick, I'll take it from where it's taken. That's just my nature. But look, the guy wants to score a goal. Guy wants to win a game of football, and um, that's his attitude. It, so it was the fact he moved the spray as well, wasn't that it? Really, made it look particularly people. bad. Because uh, then you are consciously, knowingly, like you're not just someone, trying to nick a few guard, uh, yards. You're actually as I shooting. said on COTC yesterday. Someone in that wall must have seen that he moved the, the ball. Responsibility sits with the ref and the other players to police it. Like, it's not his. Well, also the referee, in fairness, got his back to it. And he's he's, mar- he's marking the wall back, right? Mm. But linesman's that side of the pitch as well. See it, right? What's the, what's the linesman looking at at that point? Couldn't tell you, James. So someone should spot it. But Do you think VAR more, should have intervened? More, more, nah, VAR can't intervene on that by their, their own terminology and laws and rules. I think it's, it's similar to, um, like, if a, if a corner was taken slightly outside the quadrant, which I'm sure happens on occasions, VAR won't get involved. So it's kind of the same as that, right? Um, but someone from Forrest's perspective must have seen that he moved, moved the ball. Because even when you were looking at it live, you thought, I think you can put that near post. Mm. And obviously, we never saw that. I think I'm pretty sure we never saw him move it till they showed the replays afterwards. So it's gamesmanship, right? It's people cheating every football match you watch, basically. Um, his return is obviously a major boost to them. I, I, I thought, in terms of his performance, um, lackluster would be a completely unfair word to use. Um, he looked like to me like he was managing himself. I think the first 10, 15 minutes, particularly, he looked short. He looked short of fitness massively, which hasn't played football for nine months. In terms of, you know, being injury-free, training, all that, you, you hear managers talk about it all the time, match fitness. is like a different level. Look at all those players who came in for Tottenham when Tottenham had injuries, and you're going, well, they, they ain't injured. Yeah, but they ain't played football themselves for two, three months. You need kind of like Bentoncourt. Bentoncourt looked shot the first couple, yeah, right? Yeah. Then suddenly got into his yeah. groove again. Um, and I think there was a bit of that for Tony where he grew into the game the longer it went on. Um, his creativity is, was kind of on show. He, he created a brilliant chance for King Lewis Potter, but he himself, in open play opportunities, didn't particularly like he was going to score. Think, did he only have one shot on target, I feel like? That was the free kick. That's probably correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, I was looking for my shot here. But but. He, he, he played fine for first game back. I think it's yeah. worth saying, I think Forrest were pretty unfortunate in terms of the result. Um, I know much of the talk about them is, is off the pitch as we did last week. But... They were missing some key players. I don't think it got noticed They've as much They've got a the lot out of AFCON. So, yeah, but obviously Gibbs White and Alanga didn't play mm. at the weekend either. In terms of AFCON, 
Ivory Coast are on the borderline now because they lost unbelievably 4-0 at home to Equatorial Guinea yesterday. So they're on the brink of whether they're going to go through or not. If they come back, it's Willy Bolly and Sangare. Yep. They get back, which would help because they are going to look short of bodies going into that game against Arsenal next week. Nuno Tavares, don't go searching for him on Twitter. Obviously can't play. He'll be, in an el- he'll be ineligible because obviously it's against his parent club. Harry Toffolo will cover at left back. That's fine. But they need some of them, them offensive players and centre-backs back. So, I mean, Gibbs-White and Alanga being back would be a huge boost for them. And they, they played all right. I think, to be honest, I think draw probably would have been a, a fair result, to be honest. Brilliant finish from Neil Morpé. Um, I thought it was handball when I saw it live the first <laughs> time. But, it, but it, and I, when he was running away, I thought, don't celebrate, mate. I'm not sure. That might have hit your arm. You're not going to kid anyone if it has. He didn't. And he took the goal really, really well. I think there's a temptation to keep looking at him because of the double in 25. And that's, that's a moneymaker, right? Yep. Suddenly you, you go, Watkins, oh, I can have Watkins to Morpé, Morpé in a double, and that might be your difference to get Saka back to Salah, for example, in a few weeks' time. But obviously remember that Visser's obviously at AFCOM. And although it's very unlikely, obviously Bumo's kind of projected for sort of March, sort of about game week 27. But I always remember that what I'd said when Bumo got injured was it reminded me of when Bentoncourt got injured. And we saw Bentoncourt come back a month earlier than expected. So I probably wouldn't be diving into that one. Keane Lewis Potter is another enabling one that people might be looking at. It's kind of playing this hybrid sort of left wing back slash left wing position at the moment. But he had a few opportunities at the weekend. He never struck any confidence or conviction that he would take those moments. And I also don't think it's a given that he'll stay in the team, particularly as Brentford have obviously signed Sergio Reguilón on loan from Tottenham. Now, Reguilón can't play in the next game week because obviously he also will be ineligible to face his parent club. I've seen a few mention him as a potential one. I think it's 4.4, Serge, to yep, go to... He, is. Well, he for, was when he moved. To go, to go to for the double... But I just look at them fixtures that I've had. Having Tony for that run of fixtures is one thing. Having a Reguilón for a that run of fixtures, yeah. they're not inspiring confidence at all defensively that they're going to keep clean sheets either. I think Collins is playing with fragile confidence at the moment. I think Ethan Pinnock is a defender I really like, but the last couple of times I've watched him, I haven't been hugely impressed actually. Since, since he was outstanding against Arsenal, uh, in sort of the November period. Last couple of times I've watched him, I haven't been too impressed with him. So I think they've got issues defensively. The fullbacks are, have obviously been a well-documented big miss. Reguilón coming in is going to help that. I think, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I think they're going to play a back three in the majority of the games now because they won't want to play with the likes of Reguilón or Roslev as, as fullbacks when they'll really look a little bit brittle defensively. It's worth saying Christian Norgard certainly helps them in terms of their structure. And he was a miss for them at the weekend as well. I think a draw probably would have been a fair result. Um, can't see me really looking at Brentford bar, bar Tony, but it won't be now anyway. No. Let's move to Sunday, James. Sheffield United 2, or West Ham United 2. What? It was a mess of a game. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Absolute mess of a game that got entertaining as it went on, but not for quality of football, more for entertainment more than anything else. Um but yeah, I think, to be honest, the result was a fair result in the end. I think Sheffield United showed, particularly in the first Sheffield half. Sheffield United did half. not deserve to lose. Can yeah, I, would, I can't say that, that they uh, deserved to, or, to or, lose, or, but also they did because net-net, both penalties. Let's, let's put it a different way and say you didn't deserve to win. Agreed. 
uh, I could, like I was ready with robbery, like as a tweet to put out there, right? Because it would if we'd have won that two robbery one robbery away to Sheffield, it would have been a robbery. <laughs> but you got to look at like obviously some really core cool players. For, we're missing a lot of the spine in um, um, Aged, Alvarez, Paqueta, Kudus. You're talking about the middle of the pitch, and you've got players coming in that. The main thing with the likes of Fornals, Corne, and these guys that come in, they just don't look like like you. You mentioned it with with match fitness. They don't look like they've played real football for so long, and, and nor have they. Right? I, I love the the commentary on Danny Ings. He's not scored in nineteen games for West Ham this season. It's like if you total up his total minutes that he's played for West Ham, the boy hasn't played nineteen games. He's come Probably on a started, sub, maybe four or five max. Yeah. So that's it's just misleading. Misleading. He played really well, by the way. He did have a good game, yeah. but I think uh, it was it, Sheffield United were, were better. And I, I think if you're a Sheffield United fan, you would feel heartened that there's something there that 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 Chris Wilder is trying to put together. Um, the young lad is it? They, um, Brooks. No. Yeah, Andre Brooks was a good player. Was really good. Yeah. I thought Diaz was was okay and provided some movement. Um, and they're obviously a very big physical team. They 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 did pretty well. I think West Ham were very disjointed and, and, and there was no fluidity to it. Um, sat in deep at the start of the first half. The game kind of changed when Ben Johnson came on. And I don't really know what position he came on as. I can tell but you. He just was floating around. He was much more um, dynamic. He provided some energy, provided some legs, provided some creativity, which is just not what you expect from your number two. But um, number two on the back of his shirt, as opposed to anything else. And as opposed and then, to as opposed to being Fabianski. Fabianski, yeah. but uh, yeah. And then in the end, obviously, what the refs doing in the last five ten minutes? Completely lost. Like with Brewster's two feet off the ground. Red card. Yeah, red card. Yeah. And you're like, what, what, what have you called the yellow for? Is it because you're, you're bottling giving decisions? No, no I, do you know what? I get that. The pace. The, yeah. the pace you went in? When, when, you, when you see that once, look, my instinct was when I saw it live the first half, I thought red card because it felt uh, overly excessive in terms of the speed of which he came into the challenge. But you get one look at it, right? The fact that he's dished out a yellow there, I think we can understand. I, I wouldn't say it was a like a definitive, it has to be a red card on every single occasion. But I would certainly say, yeah, I think that's a red card. I think the upgrading of the decision by VAR is correct. Yep. Um, I certainly would have given it well, as a VAR red card. But I understand... Look at it. They didn't upgrade I, it themselves. I understand... But they wouldn't. They'd say, yep. go and have a the look. The other thing is, probably a wider conversation for a different day. But with a challenge like that, if he gives the red, and it's maybe not quite a red then VAR won't overturn it because of the speed he's coming. Yep. So if he's in doubt, he's actually better off going yellow first and then they go, actually, this should be a red. It's the better way to do it rather than, oh, it's a red and, well, maybe maybe it's not quite that bad. What's what's the better? It's probably that he goes on the cautious side first, isn't I, it? I agree, except though then, now they're not making the decision that they might think. It's taking the power away from the refs because they're playing the percentages and playing the odds I'm, rather I'm, than refing the game. I'm not going to defend him on the two decisions afterwards, though. Yeah, I'm still confused <laughs> about how Oli McBurney elbows the keeper in the face and wins a penalty. I don't know why this hasn't been... There's lots of people just going, yeah, it's a penalty. And, that. and, and was it Robinson on... on um, am I watching a different game? It's not a penalty. And Rob, was it Robinson on uh, Bowen? I don't remember. Was it... Uh, oh, Mertovic? I think so. Or Army Hodzic, maybe. maybe. I can't remember now. Either way... The defender's got his back to where the ball's coming from and arms round the player. 
But it was handballs, Huge. <laughs> it was oh. handball. <laughs> Unbelievable. The Bowen one I can get a little bit because maybe out of shot we we might not have seen that Bowen's pulled him towards him because why is he facing that way? I don't know. But certainly I would have said, yeah, that looks a penalty. But the, the Sheffield United penalty is never a penalty. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But look, do you know what? What are we going to do? Like this is this is the game, right? We talk about it week in week out. Every weekend there is going to be a fixture that is affected by this way. This week it happened to be ours. Next week it could be yours, and the week after it could be someone else's. It's unfortunate. These decisions end up costing clubs a lot. If it's the difference between sixth and seventh or fifth and sixth at the end of the season, it's the difference between Europa or Conference League. And that's now the difference of tens and 20 millions worth of pounds in terms of sponsorship and advertising and TV. They're big decisions and that's why people get particularly upset about them. On the balance of the day, the result was a fair result, but I would say only seven out of 10, eight out of 10 football matches in the way that they probably should. So you take it as it is. I think let's talk about FPL. Like I'm not interested in anybody from Sheffield United, if I'm honest with you. But for West Ham, if you've held Bowen, Bowen without his mates is just not the same. It's just not the same. But I do think there could be some interesting things. You've got to keep an eye on West Ham in the transfer market, right? Calvin Phillips. The Calvin Phillips link, I think, is, is big. Because one thing Calvin... Phillips does have is great distribution, right? He'll be able to play the balls that Paqueta sometimes plays through. I think Calvin Phillips has the distribution to be able to find the ball in behind to Bowen or the ball out wide to find space. So at the moment, I wouldn't, I don't own Bowen and I've got no rush to want to go anywhere near getting him back um, or any other West Ham player for that matter. If Calvin Phillips comes in and if we hear news about Paqueta potentially being fit or Kudus is back, that may change, um, but I'm not under in a, in a rush to potentially go there. Um, I would have covered just a little bit on Sheffield United first, otherwise we'll, we'll miss it. Obviously, um, George Bulldog wasn't in the squad at the weekend. Um, I'm not quite sure the reasoning why. I presume there's obviously some form of injury, but that's he'll be one knocking about in a few teams worth keeping an eye on. Ben Brereton-Diaz obviously scored on his debut, and he is priced in as a, as a midfielder. Uh, it's 5.0. And there's been a lot of questions as to why. And Well, part of that is due to his positioning for Blackburn last season. And judging by his positioning on Sunday, that's the right call as well. He's wide left. He played wide left, basically, mm. yeah. So you wouldn't treat him from that perspective any different to a, a son or a Salah, basically. So were he to have a spell through the middle, I think just by virtue of that, um, he would be one to keep an eye on. Five millions, five millions, five millions is a good price. Of course it is. Good price for him. And I, wouldn't, I, I would probably expect that between now and the end of the season, he'll probably be their top scorer. But that might only be four goals or something like that. Well, but this is the thing, right? Prior to, I mean, they talked about it in commentary, prior to the goal um, against us, he hadn't scored since last May in the league. And that's including He's spells at Valencia or wherever. Villarreal. Villarreal he'd not had a good spell there. Yeah. So one goal doesn't, Suddenly mean that he's back in form, I mean, but look, keep an eye on it. He took his goal really well. Obviously, the 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 one on one chance in the second half is oh. is bad, and he never looked like he was going to score. Nah. But the flip of that is as well, the run is outstanding in terms of to to be able to kind of that old Lundberg run left to central, see it coming and time it perfectly and get himself away. That's a that's a different set of of um, armory that Sheffield United can have. Archer obviously didn't start either. A Schuler had been given the favouritism over him. So I think we're probably at a stage now where it's messy enough for Archer 
that he probably wouldn't be a go-to in terms of if you want an enabling forward. And those who own, probably aren't starting him often, but need to keep a watchful eye on this as we're coming towards a, a period of doubles and for someone like him, more importantly, blanks. For yourself, Serge, I think the biggest uh, miss is Pakata. Well, Ra- rather than Kudos. Fans would argue that it's Alvarez, actually, as a holding midfielder, but I, I know where you're coming from. On Sunday, specifically, I don't disagree with that, which we'll come back on to. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, uh, from the FPL perspective, I think Pakatar oh, yeah, is the bigger miss for Kudos and Bowen because he's the X factor of creativity that you, you were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, we need someone else that can play a ball through. In terms of Sunday specifically, yes, I agree with you because you changed system. You played mm-hmm. a 4-2-3-1. Danny Ings played as a 10. Jared Bowen played on the right. You started with Cornet on the right and Fournells on the left, which lasted about 20 minutes, and yep. David Moyes swapped them two over. Um, Cornet underwhelmed, despite his goal, underwhelmed massively yeah. for me. I do think that, that he's still a talent and a player. But, There's no doubt about but, it, but he's just not got match fitness or football in his legs. What it meant with you changing the system to the two in midfield of just Socek and Ward-Prowse, getting overrun in there, mate. Mm. Getting overrun. And ironically... It was when Johnson came on and played in midfield and you went to a three that you looked better, mm. ironically. I couldn't, I couldn't get Joel Linton out of my head watching him now. It, was, it, it reminded me when Joel Linton first went into midfield for Newcastle. I'm not comparing longer term here. I was like, this is awkward. And then suddenly it came for him and he looked like an absolute beast and a monster. The reality is, he came on and changed the game for Completely. you, mate. It was it was one of those where it was just confusing to watch. You know, like sometimes you just laugh when you, you could hear the it. ironic kind of cheering in the away just end. Just like and stuff. this is yeah. Yeah, amusing, yeah, for him and for for Danny Ings, who ended up having a good a, a good and better game as well, because they have been much derided. And look, he he's been all right the last few times Ben Johnson has come on and had to do a job. He had to play the other game right back when Sofa was out. He's going to have to play now because Sofa has got himself a one game suspension. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see. I'll, I'm still. It's a watching brief with West Ham at the moment. Yes, we will not be seeing that experiment again when you play Bournemouth. Probably not. No. Let's talk about Bournemouth. Bournemouth nil. Liverpool four. Um, four off an XG of one point five. So. Uh, well, yeah, the, 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 the first half was. I can't remember shot in the first half from either team. To be honest, really. I can tell you, Liverpool had four shots. Bournemouth had three in the first half. Liverpool had two on target. Bournemouth had one. I can barely but, remember them. But, so those six, seven shots that I mentioned, James, Liverpool's combined XG for those four shots they had. Uh, 0.1. 0.09. <laughs> Bournemouth was 0.13. So, yeah, the XG in the first half was nothing. Yeah, I think they were long distance, shots from distance and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, really good result for Liverpool. Um it was a bit of a debate on our, our Slack community about whether this was a statement win or not. I kind of sit in the middle of that because um, I think at the end of the day, Bournemouth are still a bottom half side who Liverpool, irrespective of absentees, would expect with the form they're in to go to these places and win. And Bournemouth obviously had their own absentees as well. I think particularly Marcus Senna's side, the longer the game went on, was obviously suspended, missed the game at centre-back. They've ended the game with basically only one of their first-choice defence on the pitch in Ilya Zabani because Adam Smith had been out, Max Aarons went off injured, Milos Kerkez has, has obviously been injured the last few games as well. So um, they had their, their own absentees as well and didn't create enough. But it's kind of a little bit similar to the Arsenal game. It wasn't a 4-0. 
Uh, Liverpool were ruthless in their finishing, which includes finishing from Darwin Nunes in the second half. And Jota, who can even afford one missed kick before finishing his second chance. Uh, good result, I think, particularly because Shaboshlai wasn't back fit. So it's all the Liverpools, essentially, their right side build-up gone. It would be akin to, if I think of Tottenham at the moment, playing without Porro, Saar and Kulazewski, I'd be like, oh my God, we're in massive trouble. Now, the three Liverpool are stronger than that Tottenham three. So put that into context. But like the young boy Bradley at right-back did really well. He started with Luis Diaz on the right and changed that all up in the second half and they were, they were better for that, I think. Jota, from a fantasy perspective, is the outstanding one, I think, to, to go for in the immediate because he's just the one that you feel like if he gets the minutes, he will get the returns. And while Salah's not here, there's not much question on the minutes in the very, very short term. Agreed. That doesn't mean he's a guaranteed starter at all. And similar applies for Nunes, because it's easy at moments like this we can forget Cody Gakpo, yeah. for example. I'd We've seen Klopp play Elliot on the right of a front three, for example. So there's no guarantee on the, the minutes, and it's part way again, I'd want to wait beyond Sunday before I made a move. So if Jota did start tomorrow night, started Sunday against Norwich, and then I'm, I'm looking at the games beyond, not to say that I wouldn't think he'd start against Chelsea, but I'd be conscious that the game's coming up, even if it was for after, I think it might be a rest against Burnley, for example, even that far in advance. So I'd have an awareness of that sort of thing. But yeah, he's, he's the one more on radar. But then there'll be other people who are looking at a forward at the moment, thinking, well, it's Darwin Nunes. And there'll be plenty of held on to Nunes because we've just had too many other fires to deal with. And you've got your reward now. Um, um, obviously, Liverpool, we know with their uh, rotation, it's based on the traffic light system. I feel like, based on form, Jota's kind of making himself undroppable. And I don't think Klopp would maybe want to take him out while he's in this form. And he's had such a patchy run with injuries in and out of the team that I think just a consistent run will help him build up his strength a little yeah, bit. You say that, but then, obviously, Salah's injured at the moment. But basically, Mo doesn't get injured, does he, really? No. So it's an unusual one. Whereas with Jota... Jota might play up front sometimes. Does have niggles and stuff like that. So I think like if, if there was to be word to say you need to be cautious with him, it's the same as always. But even heightened, he wouldn't play. Yeah, Agreed. If he's, if he's um, red, red or amber on the traffic lights. Yeah, he's the one on radar. It would certainly be him over Diaz for me, Just for on example. Jota, though. You could imagine him coming off the bench and doing damage, though, which he's yep. done so many yep. times as well. That's the other thing with him. He's... High probability that he could come I mean, on his, and do his damage. His returns per minute are staggering. Ridiculously good. Yeah, that's why. And and I've owned him so. He's always served me well when I've owned him. There's certain assets that have always done well for me when I've owned him. Kulusevski is another one where when I've generally owned him, he's actually done all right. So you feel biased towards going back to your tried and trusted safety blankets, don't you? Also, Trent being back is another creative potential in terms of Liverpool creating chances for the likes of Jota and Nunes. And Andy Robertson's now not far away either. Chelsea might come a little bit soon, and maybe Arsenal might as well, but he's really close now, Andy Robertson. And I think there's every chance probably Trent probably will play against Chelsea. That was When he got the injury, that was what they were all saying, was Chelsea going to be the target. And I think with the two, he obviously won't play tomorrow night. He won't play against Norwich on Sunday. He wouldn't think. Might be a substitute, maybe. That green light would be useful, but I think... For most people now, the advice would be, unless we get definitive news otherwise, start Trent. 
Agreed. Um, which I did this week anyway, just in case, as I did with, with Bowen. When, when we got to the deadline, we thought, well, Bowen's out is how it looked, right? So, uh, in hindsight, I wish I had. I'd have, an, <laughs> I'd have an extra bloody point now, ironically. No, I think for most people that play Trent, Trent and Robertson coming back will be a, a bonus to Liverpool creatively I as just well. I think now, psychologically as well, more than halfway through the season, they can smell the title, right? Five points clear of Arsenal, five clear of City, but City have the game in hand. But you can it's a race now, and they're very, very ruthless when they need to if, get over If the Liverpool line, win the next two, which is Chelsea at home, which whatever you think about them, it's still Arsenal, a challenging game, and then Arsenal away. If they win at Arsenal as well then the belief will soar through them. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, really and, then, and then they can re- be really ruthless front runners. Thoughts on Solanke? Because he's the one with high ownership in, in Bournemouth's team. Yeah, quiet day. I mean, look, to be honest, Liverpool have been the best defensive team in the league this season. So I don't think we should be hugely surprised about it. And it is, it is interesting how quickly the narrative changed from many people's belief of, you can't leave him out at Tottenham. Well, that was only the one game week before, actually. I don't know if the fact that he had an injury knock that kept him out of the FA Cup game put a bit of doubt into people's minds. But, OK, he's, he's blanked against Liverpool. Um, you know, if Alvarez isn't back for West Ham, I'd fancy him probably to return against you. I think Solanke versus Palmer might be a deliberation that a lot of people are going into the next game week thinking about which one Who's to start. To play? Yeah. Which one for you? Palmer. Really? Even though Solanke's against you? Uh, yeah, probably Palmer. No, I wouldn't want to leave Solanke out against you, especially if Alvarez wasn't back. It's at our place, isn't it? Yes. Mm. If Alvarez isn't back, that's a very different uh, proposition. But I think he was close. I think he failed a fitness test on the day, so yeah. I'd suspect that he would be back. Now, I think, to be fair, I'd probably play uh, Solanke. Both on pens, right? But it's, it's, yeah... And we do know that Bournemouth have had one now this season, so who knows, there might even be more. They might come along like buses, although it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Um, yeah, I think with Solanke, look, there might be some information to learn this week in terms of the results. Bournemouth's game's on Thursday night, by the way, against Swansea. But what would be more interesting is, from a Bournemouth perspective, let's just say, unlikely, but let's say Liverpool lost to Norwich. In the cup. Let's say Klopp rocks up Sunday and he goes, well, you know, it's going to be Chelsea Wednesday. I'm going to play a really rotated team. And you just get this mad one where Norwich knock them out. Then knowing that Liverpool wouldn't double in 25, I think would increase the probability of suddenly the Bournemouth-Luton game getting arranged, right? That's not to say one directly impacts the other. But I think if Liverpool haven't got the game to rearrange with Luton, it adds to the potential of Bournemouth-Luton getting rearranged at some point. So just bear that in mind. And Bournemouth Luton is still absolutely random until in terms of where it, where it can go. I think a little bit like with Tony, their fixtures aren't brilliant. But imagine moving from Solanke to Tony just to find out Solanke ends up with a double anyway. I'd want to be waiting on that sort of move at the moment to get a bit more info personally. So I think it'd be sticking for me for the minute. I could go like Solanke to Holland rather than Alvarez to Holland. Then I'm blocked off of every other Manchester City player. And I just think that would then become a nagging problem with Alvarez if Haaland's back. Therefore, Solanke as a consistent beast is liable to stay for me, I think, for the majority. Let's wrap by talking about Brighton nil, Wolves nil, um, from the kind of um, map, heat maps and also the um, uh, the momentum chart on SofaScore. It looks like Brighton dominated without creating and could, nearly and could enough. have lost. Could yeah. have lost. Yeah. Low XG in the game. 
I mean, in terms of, I, I think Brighton possession was about seventy five percent. It was very high, staggering number. Mm. Um, seventy two in the end because Wolves are Wolves are a good side and and Wolves. Um, had their own threat in the game. And actually, the longer it went on and the more Brighton seemed to become a bit desperate, particularly after they changed to a, a back three later in the game, um, you felt there were chances for Wolves on the counter through Neto. And then couldn't you add the one where he took such a heavy touch when Steele come out the goal? It's Jason Steele but rather than Luke Steele, by the way, Jermaine Genus. Um, he such, took such a heavy touch um, and it probably would have won the game had he, had he not. Brighton, do you know what is interesting though? I think you can do your narrative either way with Brighton. I really enjoyed the game. You know I enjoy watching them because the intricacies now they play um, and they, the way they manipulate and move you about and the way they play. And to be honest, I thought up until the penalty area they played really well, Brighton. But never really looked like they were going to score. Yep. You can't remember Saar making a save really in the second half or being overly extended beyond something that wasn't routinely comfortable. João Pedro particularly would have been one if you sit in your FPL team, it would have it would have done your head in last night. The amount of times you just took an extra touch rather than getting a shot away. And actually, I thought his all-round performance other than that was, was absolutely fine. I think Billy Gilmore played really well in midfield. Um, Gross played really well. They look a little bit better defensively. Uh, I think like Van Heck is going to continue to play regularly at the moment. For those who are looking for an enabling defender, it might be one I consider as a kind of cover-up for his Stupinan, but not being able to afford his Stupinan, i.e. because I'm thinking of other moves, possibly. I think you... I don't want to say you're safe, but you should play the majority of the games, certainly until the Europe starts up again anyway, which for Brighton's after game with 27. So you've got a little bit of time on that. Fairly decent run for them as well. I yeah, mean, they've, they've got, got you away, which is a difficult fixture, but Luton Palace and then you, then Sheffield United, Everton, Fulham, Forest. That's a, a very good run. Like if I'm coming off, say Trent wasn't available. If I need to move Trippier on um, and I don't want to go sideways to Livermento, Stupinan's like top of my list. There's potential defenders to go at. Still 5.1. Um, and I think there could be some good points to be had in that run of five, six fixtures for sure. And suddenly, two nil-nils in a row for Brighton. Who Madness. had that on the bingo cards? When you look at it and you say, do you know who was top on the BPS system for, for both teams? The goalkeepers, James. So I think that says a fair amount about the game that the, that the goalkeepers were racking it up. We have to, however, talk about the biggest refereeing scandal of the weekend last night. Take it you know what that one is, Suj? No. Matthias Cunha getting booked for persistent fouling? He got booked pretty early in the game. He got booked for persistent offences. It was his first offence. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw he got booked pretty early in the game. Pedro Neto back for Wolves. Yeah, bonus, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Basically played centre-forward uh, in the first half. And I think that was partly in terms of protecting him uh, to go deeper into the game rather than having to track Brighton on their movement of their full-backs or their two central midfield players. They left him to, to go and, and trusted others a, a little bit deeper. Uh, the idea, obviously, would be Neto, Cunha, Huang, longer term. Gary O'Neill has said they will try and get business done for a forward before the window shuts. But he did suggest it would probably be a loan. I wonder if Antonio's fitness might impact Danny Ings. Because that's the name that keeps going around in circles about Wolves. Danny Ings mm. or Antonio? Because Antonio has mentioned with that in the summer quite a bit. There no, were a few I think links. Danny Ings would be... More than one, I think. I only see him leaving West Ham if West Ham get a replacement in. There could be quite a daisy chain because we'd leave ourselves a little bit light. But yeah, but sure, like if, if Kudos is back next week and stuff. 
yeah. then the requirement is is not so big, is it? I know no, they're not direct um, comparisons, but then kudos can play deeper. Bowen more comfortable through the middle because Bowen obviously ended up on the right yeah. late in the game oh, yeah. for you at the, at the weekend. Look, we're not uh, Fabrizio Romano's here, but clearly I know with the Calvin Phillips, for example, one of the issues is salary and how much he's going to cost on loan. Danny Ings is one of the highest earners at West Ham. They get him off the books. That means there's some money freed up. There is a lot of daisy-chaining stuff where if this happens and this happens, if this happens and this happens. So, I, yeah, I don't see that as a... Transfer window closes, I, mean, I think, next Wednesday. Yes. Doesn't feel like it's opened. Yeah, nothing's happened, does it? Well, it up to most, my team, um, Brighton have brought a, a young lad in. Um, obviously, Brentford have got Reguilon in, but it's been so quiet, hasn't it? Mm. We know why. Because a lot of clubs have gone, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. Cool. Right, that's a wrap on the games, James. Do you want to tell everybody what they've got to look forward to for the rest of this week? I'm going to pull up the internet, being uh, Twitter, and... Uh, Let's see what questions we've got in. Okay. Uh, do recommend yesterday's COTC, which is obviously out and already available. Forest v Arsenal uh, with Mark Southerns and Adam Pritchard. We have a really detailed chat about Saka, as I said earlier on, on that pod. Also features, obviously, Mark's opinion on Forest and the potential points deduction um, and his anger. I think anybody who listens to it or watches it will probably feel a bit sorry for him, actually. Um, we'll also have another COTC Thursday. That's Wolves against Manchester United with Bradley Parker, Gary Robinson. Sky Fantasy Football tomorrow. I'll be streaming Friday, 12 o'clock. That's scheduled for uh, our Patreon podcast this week. Uh, Q&A available from yesterday. Uh, today, i got Money in Football with James Morrison. I recorded last night with him. He's a Hibernian fan, and we talk about Bournemouth's potential investment in Hibernian and how that feels, considering Hibernian really are a bigger football club than Bournemouth. Uh, we've got Tottenham tomorrow. Oof. Quiz on Thursday. The Bournemouth fans won't be offended by that, mate. Because it's true. At Planet uh, FPL Pod, we'll that's where you can find him. <laughs> on Differential Show on Friday as well. Good, good, good. We've had a few questions in on, on uh, the internet, um, Elon Musk's internet. Um, FPL Invincible, if Chelsea win in the cup, does it make Arsenal players sell? No. I mean, th- this is interesting, this. And it, it will play on people's minds and it will even play on mine as well. So the question refers to, in the sense of, if Chelsea uh, win in the cup, then obviously they're through to the fifth round. It decreases the possibility of Arsenal and Chelsea going ahead in game week 29. The next up bit of the question to that, though, is what did Chelsea get in the draw, right? Yeah. Well, if they get Manchester City away, then it's still probably going to be Arsenal and Chelsea in game week 29. If they get a low-ranking championship team at home in the fifth round, then it'll obviously be favourites to progress and it won't go ahead. But if we're looking now at a period of, say, 22 to 29, should we be defined by one game week? With you know, do, do we look at, say, Gabriel? For those of us on Gabriel, they're safe fit. We go, well, Arsenal going to blank in 29. I need to start selling. No, that would probably be more one to think about later on. Saka is more definitive to me in relation to money mm. rather than, oh, Arsenal might blank in game week 29, for example. And you must remember as well, if Arsenal do blank in game week 29, then there's a double to come later in the season if you've already used a wild card, for example. So it's also dependent on your chip strategy a little bit. It might be that some people want a wild card in game week 26, 27, for example. We might mention that as an idea next week. And in that case, yeah, sure, maybe you might want to move on. But let's remember that we've got really good fixtures. Don't be defined by... 
your likes of Saka and Gabriel just because they'll have one less fixture in circa two months. Right, FPL underscore Harry, um, probably a new listener around here. Uh, which cup results? <laughs> I didn't know you were talking about it first. Hello, H. <laughs> um, just an interesting Can one I just say, he dived in my DMs the other day and he asked me a, a double game week question. And I answered it and he didn't say nothing else. He just slid straight back out, the bastard. I saw you, H. I <laughs> uh, love you, mate. Nah, of course, it's love. Which cup result do you hope for or results that will make a difference <laughs> to who you're eyeing up? And I know, look, obviously we're going to record Monday. We'll be a chip special. It's top, you top, top winning to Friday win. night. Yeah, <laughs> simple as that, right? I'll be honest, I've I said this before, when the, when the cup games happen, and uh, if you look on social media, be like, I want this because I want this to happen. And, the, and I just think you're so powerless. It's not even part of the, the game, hoping for external results where quite often, say in the fifth round, I've spoken about this, there will be shocks in the fifth round of the cup. Do not be surprised if uh, Tottenham beat Man City or vice versa and then they lose in the fifth round because the way the, that with a midweek set of fixtures, there'll be more rotation in that round than there's been in other rounds. So don't be surprised if we get some shocks there. So thinking that far ahead and going, well, I, you know, I want Chelsea to win this weekend because uh, I want Arsenal and Chelsea to be off in 29 or because I need Ollie Watkins to have a fixture in 29. I'm bothered with that in my headspace, really, to be honest. So... What do I want this weekend? I want Tottenham to win and I want as many of the big clubs to lose as possible because it increases the probability of Tottenham winning the competition. Simple as that. James Morrison, this is a quick one. Is Kudus a good option now? Ghana probably going out. Well, let's wait till they're out Yeah, because we don't know. And the answer is simple, you will, no. You will know in the next couple of days. Yeah. I think uh, there's so many other variables with West Ham. Paqueta posted a video in the gym. like He looked... He was training and doing strength work. So I don't think he's uh, months. It's, it's weeks, if anything. And there's a bit of time before for the next games. Uh, Alvarez obviously failed a fitness test, so he might be fit. If those things all fall into place, sure, Kudus is a good option, but I wouldn't be moving early on it, for example. Definitely not. Um, Would you rather buy Kudus or Bowen if you were buying now? Let's, let's just say Kudus is back. <sighs> Price Kudus, it's like a million saving, isn't it? Yeah, with Paqueta. Let's say not at the moment. Paqueta's probably not going to play against Bournemouth, fair? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it'd probably be Kudus because I'm well aware of wanting Salah and Haaland. And then you're looking at Sonny might come back and KDB. There's like so much other uh, talent that I want to get in that that million could make a difference again it's down to squad value mine's a lot less than yours so you've got I'd probably do Kudus to be honest with you after Bournemouth you've got uh, Arsenal Arsenal and then Manchester United or is it mm. the other way around uh, Arsenal first I think Ars- they've got Liverpool then they play us so we'd have yes you're right we're going to Everton so yeah. uh, no no you, no it must be Arsenal 24 24 Yes, Arsenal play Liverpool 23. So you've got United away and Arsenal at home. It's not kind of steam into territory, territory, is it? Absolutely not. No, what's, after, what's your 25 and 26? Uh, I can tell you, James. I feel like they're good fixtures. Uh, let's have a look here. With, uh, Thomas Socek is the one I'm going to pick on. Ha! So Bournemouth at home, United away. Arsenal at home. Arsenal at home, Forest away. Okay. Brentford at home. Yeah. Everton away. 
Burnley at home. Yeah, it's a good and run. Then we get to Villa at yeah, home. It's it's a good run, and also I, I, in terms of we're saying, oh, maybe not diving now, but it kind of swings better in twenty five. Now the chances are you're going to get to twenty five, and you're going to be thinking about a third City player, or maybe even like getting a Tony in, or a Liverpool player if they've got a double. And before you know it, it's gone, and you've missed it. So in terms of consistency, I think if I was buying new now, if he's back, I'd be quite tempted by Kudos. I think. Yeah, agreed. Two more questions, James. Not FPL related. Oh, FPL good. Knuckle says, what's your favourite Only Fools and Horses episode? <sighs> there are so many. There are so many. It's more like the moments though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. Like Batman and Robin stands out. That, 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 that was the one I was thinking as the episode, but I still the think... The Chandelier. The Chandelier is the one, man. The Chandelier <laughs> has to probably be... Yeah, the funniest. I saw a, a, a little snippet with uh, Nicholas Lindhurst because um, that was one of the very early episodes yeah. and they said to him, right, we've only got one chandelier and it's like £6,000 or something. If you laugh, you've fucked up the whole scene and we can't re-record it. So when the other chandelier falls, you've got to keep a straight face. And he was like, God, how am I going to do that? And he was like, absolutely. Like, it was the hardest thing to do was keep a straight face when the other chandelier fell. Uh, I think I'd give it to chandelier, but I remember when... When he had to go to kids' club and pretend to be thirteen, oh yes, that yes. was wicked as well. There's the, so the many. The falling through the bar. Yeah, that's a classic with the Philo I mean, facts. That the falling through the bar is hysterical. The Philo facts. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's the moments for sure. But if I had to pick one, I'm going to give it to Shannon. I think that, for the episode, I think the Batman and Robin. It's a good one as well. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, FPL Calypso. Were you guys PlayStation or SNES? I was SNES. But none, because I didn't really care about consoles and gaming. SNES? Super Nintendo. There was Nintendo, and then there was Super Nintendo, wasn't there? And then there was PlayStation. I guess I was PlayStation. <laughs> did you did Yeah, I know I was a PS2 kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. Um, Before that, Mega Drive. Right, so Sega, Sega, and then Sony PlayStation. I was a SNES guy, but yeah, neither. Did you have a Game Boy ever? Yes. Yeah, I had a Game Boy. Yeah. That was... Uh, that was one of my first devices. Yeah, same as that. Yeah, I remember playing the Game Boy in the back Tetris of the car as a kid. Mario Tetris, yeah. I think it was the most incredible thing ever. Yeah. We'll look back at stuff now like FIFA and stuff and think it's shit in 20 years probably. Indeed. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Planet FPL. If you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Planet FPL. We're trying to grow our Patreon numbers supporting the show. You get ad-free episodes if you don't want to listen to any advertising. You get access to our Slack community with nearly a 1,000 engaged FPL managers and Sky managers and other sports in there as well. You get prize leagues. You get an extra podcast every single day if you're advanced James's here. planner. You get double the volume of content, an Excel spreadsheet that looks incredible and it'll help you plan out fixtures, doubles, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm putting all for a few quid a month through pain on talking tactics this week. Um, each 20, obviously we play Man City in the fourth round of cup. Each 20 years since the incredible, probably worst night of my life for free defeat when we were three new up against 10 men. I'm going to revisit it for talking tactics this week um, and laugh at, Ginger Pele, Gary Doherty, and some car crash Tottenham defending. Nice. So if you want all of that, patreon.com forward slash FPL. If you don't, just say subscribed and hit the like button and uh, notification bell wherever you're listening to the free content because we'd love you to do that too. Five-star reviews as well for the audio uh, listeners because yeah, I always not? say that on my YouTube streams but never on an actual audio podcast. There we go. And uh, we'll be back at you tomorrow. Stay safe. Ciao for now. Thanks, everyone. Q.
Cue music, please, Manchild. The Fantasy Football Show. Sports Social Podcast Network.